Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 14th of October, 2020. And as we've set up this Bible reading plan and this podcast, one thing that we've mentioned is three goals we want to have just for our time in the Word. And I'd say these would be good goals, not just for this podcast, but for any time you're spending time in God's Word, uh, three things that we want to do are learn, worship, and apply, right? right. We want to learn more. That There is unavoidably an academic aspect of studying and reading God's Word. We want to learn. We want to know more. Also, there should be a worship component that we're not just learning abstract facts. We're learning about someone. We are learning about our great and awesome God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we want to worship him as we see his character, as we see the mighty things that we have done. Thirdly, we also want to apply. We want to do the things that we're seeing. We want our lives to be changed in a very practical way by what we do. And that third point really of applying God's word and doing what it says, nowhere do we see that more clearly expressed in scripture than our passage today in James. As we look at James 1, 16 through 27. And here we see in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves, saying that, hey, if all we're doing is learning and putting more into our heads and we're not doing what it says, we are deceiving ourselves. And then it gives the uh, the illustration of God's word as a mirror. And, you know, it's like if we, if you were to look in the mirror this morning and notice I've got like a smudge on my face from, you know, breakfast, my hair's all messed up, and then I'm just going to acknowledge that and then leave and do nothing about it. That's what it's like when we open up God's word and it, it, it shows us things in our lives that need to change and we leave and do nothing about it. Now today, even in James 1, I think there's some specific things in that context when it's talking about being a doer of the word. Uh, we, we see in verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so we see there a warning against anger, especially being quick to anger and reasoning that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I think that's a very important verse for many of us as we deal with the anger in our own lives because we often feel that, and in fact, I'd say most of the time, we feel like our anger is justified. Rarely have I met a person that, you know, I'm angry and I have no good reason to be angry. No, we always think we have good reason to be angry, but we need this warning that the anger of man does not achieve, does not produce the righteousness of God. This isn't how God wants us to respond. And I'd say there's a replacement for anger, even in this passage, it's a replacement of generosity. And it starts really with the generosity of God in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above 
coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. And that's what comes right before this warning to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Our willingness to be slow to anger starts with the generosity of God. We know that he doesn't change, that he is generous, that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And that should develop in us a patience that's not quick to be angry. And then instead of expressing that anger, we should be expressing generosity towards others. And even it's after this whole section, really, of, hey, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. In verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And I think that there has to be a connection between bridling the tongue there and anger. Because what do we see often happen in anger? Well, our tongue gets unbridled and we start venting our, our feelings or even harsh words towards others. And here he says, no, no, no. If, if you're just spewing anger with your tongue towards others, you're not being a doer of the word. And then he goes on in the next saying, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we want to do what God's word tells us. And it's telling us, hey, be slow to anger and really be quick and focus on generosity, the generosity of God towards us and then being generous towards those that need it. Here it mentions specifically orphans and widows. So take some time today to think through what are the situations I've been angry recently and to see, hey, there might have been some legitimate frustrating things, even sinful things that were causing you, um, you know, to feel that angry feeling. But then how are you going to respond? And are you going to remember the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, of a God who gives every good and every perfect gift. So let's trust his generosity. Let's be slow towards anger and let's be generous towards others. And we have a very interesting pairing of passages today as we see we are warned um, against anger. But then in John chapter two, verses 13 through 25, we see what, what, what it's hard to describe anything but an expression of anger from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. As we look at John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, the central component here is Jesus cleansing the temple. And he makes a whip of cords. He drives people out of the temple with sheep and oxen. He's pouring out coins. He's turning over tables. I mean, this is an intense expression, uh, really, of, of this, I think, divine anger that they've made his father's house a house of trade. And even as we look at this, I would encourage us, well, one, we should be warned, we are not God in the flesh. And th th I think there is such a thing as righteous anger that can have some righteous expressions. And that is what I think we are seeing from Jesus. But I think it would be good for us to be skeptical of our own anger, that we often express our anger in unhelpful ways and really with some ungodly motives in it. It is hard for us to have truly righteous 
anger like we see here from Jesus. So I don't think this is totally, well, hey, let's go flip over tables and pour out coins, I don't think would be the application. I think there is an application, though, that we see Jesus is concerned for the house of God. And we know there is no temple right now on this earth where the people of God are meant to gather to to worship at some physical temple. But we do see the church even referred to as the house of God. And I think there should be a righteous concern that Christians have for the church that we don't want to see. Jesus is concerned. You've turned the house of God into something else, a house of trade. We shouldn't want to see the church be turned into something else. And there may be times where that causes us to take a stand. But I think even in the spirit of James being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry, I think it would be good for all of us, since we are not the sinless son of God, to begin with ourselves. Am I treating the church as it ought to be treated? Am I conducting myself, as it says in 1 Timothy 3, in the household of God like I should be? That's where my concern should start. Because if I'm just getting angry about everything else that I'm seeing, I'm probably starting to stray away and I need to be warned, well, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let May I start with myself? And that would even put me in the right place to deal with any situations where I do need to make a stand for the truth, make a stand for the house of God, and even do so in a strong way. Uh, So even as we consider these two passages, let's be warned at our tendency to be angry in sinful ways. And really, we have to admit lots of our anger that doesn't always just come from, man, I'm, I'm upset that God is not being honored. If we really are honest, much of our anger comes down to we are not getting something that we want. So we should be suspicious, I think, of our anger, but we should be concerned for the house of God. And that concern should start with us and with ourselves. We move on to Jeremiah now, Jeremiah chapters 10 through 12 today. And again, we see more words of judgment. We see God in some ways similar to some things that we would see in uh, Isaiah. He's rebuking the idols and pointing out how foolish that is. We see that in chapter 10 as the prophet is saying, there is none like you, O Lord. In verse six, you are great and your name is great. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? And then he points out how foolish the worship of idols is, um, that God is the living and true God. Chapter 11, really, we, we come back to this idea of a covenant that is broken. And Jeremiah in chapter 12 starts giving God a little bit of, you know, why do the wicked prosper? And God speaks almost kind of reminiscent of how he speaks to Job. You, you know, hey, really? Are you thinking you're going to understand me and my ways? And he does promise that judgment is coming upon his enemies. Finally, in Psalm 119 today, we look at the third section, verses 17 through 24, the Hebrew letter Gimel. And one way I kind of try to remember this section, you know, Gimel, this idea of gimme. Um, Maybe if you've seen the old movie, What About Bob? You remember when he's pleading with Dr. Marvin, gimme, 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 I need, I need. And he's expressing that. And I think in some ways we see this from the psalmist. He's going to God saying, gimme, 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 I need, I need. And it's not selfish things. It's not a bigger house, a better car. Listen to what he is saying. Verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things 
out of your law. He's saying, God, give me, Lord, deal bountifully with me because I want to obey you. Open my eyes because I want to see wonderful things out of your word. There is a a proper desperation that the psalmist has. He he wants to understand God. He wants to understand his word. And we're going to see this other places where he is pleading with God to hear him and to lead him and to guide him. And we should have that proper dependence as well. And so that's why we keep coming to God's word every day, looking to learn, looking to worship, and looking to apply the things that we are learning. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.